0: Welcome to the Project Future podcast, for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business, with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision, and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book, titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called The Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses and this podcast, where every Tuesday a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode seventeen of the Project Future podcast. In this episode, I speak with Daria Yegorina, a quantitative futuristic thinker, reality disruptor, professional speaker, and founder of Clever Books, which helps educators and parents to increase kids' engagement in class, inspire learning at home, and spark their curiosity and imagination. Since launching in 2016, Cleverbook's reach has increased to over 60 countries, 17,000 students, 4,000 educators, and 13 languages. On the speaking side, Dario features in 20 plus events each year and has won multiple awards, including Global Female Leader Award in Entrepreneurship 2018 and Young Entrepreneur in Ireland Award 2016. She's featured as a top thought leader, influencer in AR and EdTech by Thinkers360 in 2020 young European leader, also in 2020, and appears in multiple media, including Forbes and Inc.com. In this conversation, Daria explains the type of problems she's always looked to solve, what she's focused on to continually succeed, how her business works with both B2B and B2C customers, the public speaking didn't come naturally to her, but why it was necessary to overcome, why everything starts with something small, what's most important about what you deliver the key ingredient for any startup or projects, the benefits of feedback and the many forms it can arrive in, and finally, the massive stone that it's her mission to move and how she intends to do it. Daria's best advice is to realize it's hard work starting a business before you actually start it. Let's have a listen. Hi Daria, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Rob, thanks for having me here.
0: You're welcome and it's it's great to have you here and to to learn a bit more about your story because you first approached me in December time when you read an advanced copy of my book so one of the very first people on the planet to have, have read it so and yeah I've been fascinated about your story ever since so I'm really looking forward to learning a bit more. If you could start by telling us a little bit about your background.
1: Uh, so uh, my background is quite diverse but I think that the most important part of my background that I'm a creative, futuristic-oriented person and entrepreneur in my heart. And that connects to everything I do from reading the books and finding the most interesting ones before they're getting published like yours and (laughs) um, starting cool projects and ventures and applying this knowledge uh, that I find in the books um, literally in everything I do. And I think that um, this brings me to having um, a lot of different skills that are diverse and in different areas um, from creative to analytical to futuristic to technical that support actually my ventures and my projects and different initiatives that I start um, to make the world a better place and leave some uh, footprint behind me.
0: That's brilliant and I, I love the the angle of, of always looking forwards, so the, the the futuristic side of things. So what do you what do you see at a high level for somebody maybe thinking to start their business that they could that they could look that will help to help future generations?
1: So I think the most important thing for starting the business or driving the business um, is coming, coming up with the idea that might be useful not only for you but for others. And before implementing it, having a plan on how you wanna do that. Checking the background of this idea, checking if that's going to be actually useful for the society. It also depends, by the way, what type of idea you want to put in place. Um, Is it going to be for profit or non-for-profit? But if you're working for for something that is for-profit project, Make sure you have a good analysis before you do any steps, and that's something that I'm talking pretty much based on my experience. If you implement on doing some, uh, if you start doing something or implement your idea without uh, looking around, if anybody has already done that and failed or succeeded, if uh, the space is overcrowded, do you have really the niche or the market? And, uh, what I see, it's like, it sounds simple and it sounds so primitive. Uh, but, uh, being a mentor of, uh, people who want to implement the ideas, um, I, I come across the situation that those little tiny steps are being completely ignored. You don't do enough research and then you end up putting massive amount of work and just pretty much failing then your idea with the frustration. And, and I think the most, um, Valuable loss is the time that you invested in it, and sometimes passion. So, I think having a project, like a project future, when you start your idea, is uh, something that is extremely important in every single uh, startup venture or anything you start.
0: Absolutely, it has to solve a problem, doesn't it? You know, first and foremost, that uh, nothing comes before that. You need to solve a problem that people want solved is the starting point, and um, if that then aligns to something that works for society, works for the individual, then you're onto a winner.
1: Yeah, 100% on that. And uh, and have a look before you launch something, before you start doing proactively any steps in implementing it. Have a look if anybody else has done it. The, has this person failed? If there is enough market for you to cover or enough need and demand to, to, for this problem to be uh, to be solved as well so i think that's important but also depends what kind of project you're looking to uh, to launch
0: yeah absolutely so what was the first major project or the first project that started you off on your entrepreneurial journey
1: oh that was years and years ago and um <laughs> this project was um was sold at the end so um it was about um 15 years of even 17 years ago, I started with the project of cultural exchange and uh, it was a small company that was doing the cultural trips for language learning purposes and pretty much in Ireland where I'm based now. <laughs> and um, I always was uh, in love with this country and I think that was uh, one of the things why I've, uh, I've set up this project with a couple of my friends. Um, I had to, to sell it because um, I moved to Ireland at the end of the day But the main idea was there that I I was, um, myself, a student um, who was studying foreign languages. And when you study languages, it's important for you to understand the culture. And that was the missing point because you couldn't really go and study languages with knowing the culture. So for me, it was important to solve this problem. For myself personally and that's why i set up this company and was doing pretty well so it was really a great experience and helping others to fulfill something that i didn't have when i was a student
0: yeah i love that and it's it's really interesting isn't it how you've you've seen there was a gap there as a student and have then looked to solve it as you exit and become a a, a young entrepreneur yourself
1: yeah yeah, that was absolutely the case. In that case, I was solving my problem. But it's like, if we take an example of um, every single company and or project I was working on, uh, somehow it was connected to my own problem. Like if we talk about my, my project, Clever Books, um, this company focuses on marrying technology, the most innovative technology of the augmented reality uh, with the um, educational sector. And creating the opportunities for diverse range of students to dive into the ed tech and have these um, necessary skills developed. Because if you have a look at what you do now and what I do now, what I have studied years ago in the college, in the university, at my different degrees, um, it's not necessarily what I do today. And uh, we need to evolve those skills and develop those skills all the time. And when you go back to the educational sector and at school and you see how little technology is in there, although when you have a look even now today at different jobs that we have around us, many of them are connected to technology. And if they are not connected to technology, they are simply being replaced. And uh, I think that having this um, problem solved at the younger grades in the primary or elementary education sector, we have the opportunity to provide the skills and the um, the first um, steps into the tech for our kids. That will help them to choose who they want to be and what they want to be in the future and definitely support them with some jobs that might not exist right now on the horizon.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I really do. And uh, it's such an interesting angle looking at schools and education because they often don't have the budgets necessarily or the expertise that... You know know the top current technology that's out there. So tell us a bit more about Cleverbooks and, and what it is that, that the business does and how it can work to, to help that using technology.
1: That's actually a very interesting uh, case of the project future, taking your turns. And um, I can tell you that uh, that's an interesting example of the company pivoting from one ty- type of the business we started with and to another one. So this project exists since 2016 and we started with the personalized books where we try to um, engage kids in bedtime stories that would be teaching them um, something good that parents would be struggling with, like eating broccoli or going to bed on time, you know, those little things. Or being uh, nice to um, to parents and be not being naughty, so like really small kids, and we we'll would be putting the photos um, inside those books, and so it would be book literally about the kid. And then, as I said earlier, that I'm really interested in futuristic approaches and in tech, and I'm always curious about learning about new technologies like augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain. So anything that is new, I'm absolutely into it. And I, and I love learning about it. So And also see how I can marry with something that I do, those new technological concepts, for the benefits of other people and community. So I thought, like this book needs to have something extra to engage the kids because they are the kids of the new generation. They are digital natives. They're not like me, digital immigrants. And I thought, like, having something intangible inside the book that pops up with the help of the app could be cool. And uh, then we have released a short, um, for a short period of time, like, Bad Time Stories with Augmented Reality. And then I thought, like, this is something that can be a game, but it will be better if that could be an educational tool because um, this technology has a lot of visualization and has a lot of opportunity to. Uh, learn by seeing, hearing, and doing if you do some manipulations with the software as well. So we pivoted to having the the whole educational suite with different apps and the STEM subjects. And uh, when I've got really cool feedback that that's something that absolutely helps to understand multiple concepts, um, even at the primary school. That's something that helps um, teachers to bring something new and innovative inside the classroom and excite the kids, motivate them. That this is something that helps parents to engage kids with learning during the lockdown time or homeschooling. Then that's the best feedback you can ever have. And uh, and that also, like an example, how Clever Books went from one product and one concept to another. And where we are now by creating the platform that will have this full um, immersive engagement with, from all sides um, all, and for all the subjects for education. Involving not only consuming the content, um, but also creating and being the creator of your own reality.
0: Wow, so it sounds like you've created a, a really detailed platform there in four years. Exactly. Wow, you know, obviously you have to start somewhere, and to to start with the primary age books for bedtime stories, effectively, and then move on. So, so how has that evolved, and how's it how's it moved forwards? Because you've clearly had to take several decisions there during that process that won't necessarily have been easy, straightforward decisions in terms of direction. So, how's it moved, and has it been a smooth journey, or have there been some challenges along the way?
1: Show me a startup with a smooth journey. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a dream startup on the paper. Well, um, it's exciting, but it's exciting anyway. So it also, the journey, it's always the journey with the bumps. It's up and down, up and down, including products, launches, um, development, um, and also the mood of the founders and the constant, you know, arguments how we want to go and what we want to do. But I think what influenced our decisions in that sense um, on why we, have pursued this journey is pretty much focused on the customer and listening to the customer. It was important for us to get the feedback, and that's what we were constantly working on and what we are currently doing as well. We get the feedback from the customer and we see what customer is actually expecting, what are they looking for, and what will be actually helpful for them to solve their problems and their needs. And that's how the product will evolve, actually.
0: And who is your core customer now? Is it education facilities or is it parents, B2B, B2C? How, how have you split it?
1: So we have two groups of customers. The first one is B2C. We have a focus on parents and we work also with homeschooling association where parents are actually full-time homeschooling kids. So we'll be parents. And those who are just interested in providing kids some materials that will help them to develop those 21st century skills, like everybody likes to say. But I think is just essential meta-skills to survive in the future jobs, to be honest with you. But, and the second group of, uh, of the customer, it would be educators slash um, schools or uh, educational establishments. Because they would be mainly using the more sophisticated uh, platform, uh, fully prepared for them, the environment, rather than separate products. So we have separate products and we have the full suit platform.
0: That's excellent. It really is. And, you know, to cover both angles there, I think it's a dream really for any business, isn't it? Because you've you've got the things you can offer to individuals, but then you've got the education side of things where you can really scale it and, and look to branch out and offer that to, to a, a much higher volume of, of people. So uh, I assume your customers are all over the world as well. Is, is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And that actually pushed us to use the whole 2020 to to do the translations for all our customers because it's nice to start with one language but then you see the demand and now we are like you know having all the translations in place for over than 13 languages we have to integrate them in the platform, in the solutions to um, help customers to learn in their native language.
0: I've, I've done a bit of language translation, not myself, but I've, I've managed some of it in previous projects I've done, and it, it can be incredibly complicated to, to, to get that done successfully. So how have you found that? How have you found the language side of things? I know you speak several yourself, but how, how has it been to, to manage that?
1: Um, well, managing it is um, it's slightly slightly um on its own a project and you as you <laughs> <Yeah>. have mentioned <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's nice <laughs> to have you know we have a lot of ambassadors uh, who love our products and they're educators themselves but they're not the professional translators but they wanted to have that in their language so they said like we want to translate for you said like at the beginning we said like oh my god that's going to be cool we will have the real educators doing the translation and then like oops they are not the real translators so I they are not professionals in that. So that was one challenge because we couldn't say no as they wanted to have that in their for their country first and you know all that stuff. But we have also the translation agency that we're working with. And um they had so we had to let people translate then this agency would review or do some full translations and to manage this all it, it looks like oh my god it's so easy you just provide the file and it's go- and it's done the translation. Um, Well, actually not, um, because you have to provide files for printed products, like books that we have. You have to provide files for in-app. You need to sort and provide them in the way that is going to be clear for you when they will be returned. You will understand what it is, because um, some languages are not actually readable, (laughs) you know, Um, and you don't you don't get them and you can't really format the books. And then it came the challenge in formatting the actual books. Oh, my God, that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, like when you're trying to open one file in English and another file in a different language that you have no clue about, well, um, it's it's a nice challenge, you know, but then we agreed with the translation agency to go through them, to have a look again and, you know, confirm with us that, that, that everything is fine. But, so they're, they're really nice working with us. But it's an interesting project and it's an interesting challenge. And um, you you mentioned that I speak uh, plenty of languages myself and that helps me to understand other languages as well, which I don't speak, obviously. Yeah. But the combination of those that I know helps me a little bit. But there are still languages that I have no clue. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> that was fun.
0: Yes, it really is. And I uh, say it's one of those tasks that when I first, I first had it, it was like you expect it to be relatively straightforward. You send it over, somebody deals with it and it comes back and then it's like ah actually <laughs> and yeah. you've articulated it really well there in terms of even the formatting it's uh, yeah it's, it's one of those things that that can catch up on you so a very interesting story
1: i will actually tell you another interesting part of it we had the translation done in arabic by one of the teachers and um i thought like i wouldn't manage this part i will give this to to my co-founder and I asked her to do that. So she decided that it would be so cool if she would um, remove all the pictures from the book. And picture would be can, can be the only anchor that will actually help you to realize what is that part of the translation. So she removed all the pictures and sent the pure text for the Arabic translation. And then when it came back and I opened it, I said like, and how I'm supposed to understand now, <laughs> because I don't speak Arabic, obviously, <laughs> what is this and which part it connects to? And she said, Oops, I didn't think of that. So, you know, those little tiny things in projects like translation and also in projects like, you know, any startup or anything you, you, you want to launch uh, is something you might not think of upfront, but it would be good to have an experience and understanding, you know, how to eliminate those little tiny <laughs> uh, bumps on the road.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's it's so fascinating. It really is, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I say is always going to be there and and trip you up, even pre- regardless of the of the professional support in place. So no, that's brilliant. I'd love to move on and and talk about your talking, uh, because you've you've done a lot. You've you've done TED talks. You speak all around the world, obviously, not, not most recently with COVID, but you you've speak on stages across the world. So I, I'd love for you to explain how that first started and how you've been able to scale it and to become a professional speaker in the way that you have.
1: That's another interesting story. <clears throat> so I am the person who is, um, who is shy by nature. And for me, it was always, you know, to go, when I was in the university, to go and deliver some project with the PowerPoint in front of the audience. There was the scariest thing that could ever, ever happen to me, you know? So um, I would be blushing up and it's naturally not me doing this. And then when you become um, the uh, um, entrepreneur and you understand that you need to speak on behalf of your company and there is no way out, that's something actually that pushes you towards towards doing it it was really really a big fight for me internally to overcome that and i still remember like when i was going in front of the audiences of uh, you know 30 people 20 people and it would be a nightmare for me and i couldn't imagine me speaking in front of audiences of thousands of people like i'm doing now because because it was just for me simply super difficult um so i had to educate myself on that and um, through reading books through doing different like online video coaching sort of things. But what helped me a lot is the um, understanding that um, first, if not me, who else will speak up on behalf of my project? And second thing, when I go and I um, talk in front of people, I imagine myself in this audience and I think what is actually I'm looking for to get from this, you know, speaker where I'm actually giving my time to listen to, and I and at that point I realized I'm coming to get the information that this person is bringing bring to me from the stage, and that's why why other people are actually attending my speaking, they want to get some information, they want to learn something, and there is nothing else that I need to be you know scared of if I have something to share, so after I mentally came over this barrier and understood that I'm just here to help people to develop themselves professionally, personally, or just provide the information by speaking in front of them. That helped me a lot to be able to overcome the audience size. So now obviously I don't care if I'm live streamed or I stay in this on the stage in front of thousands of people because, um, I want from all my heart to help them out with something by providing some value. And, um, I started with small, absolutely free speaking engagements, and there were a lot of them, till you um, being noticed in that sense. And and you know now it's there are so many opportunities for people to speak. Um, it's just amazing. It was not like that, you know, early in the days. And then when you start being noticed and you're getting contacted by speaking bureau, like I'm working with several of them, you are getting noticed by other conferences and you are invited to speak, for example. And by the way, in 2020 I did a lot of online speaking as well, which was kind of fun. So yeah, so and, and then you are being you know in touch with others um who watch what you do, who see that it's gonna be value for their audiences and then get in touch with you and then you arrange this um speaking slot. But that's the way it started. It starts everything starts with something small. You go and you just push yourself. You go outside your comfort zone, like everybody likes to say. But it is actually the way it is. And then after you went out of that zone and feel comfortable outside that comfort zone, then you're going to get successful in what you do. But I think the most important thing here also is to love what you deliver. The speech, the information. And uh, most important, bring the value when you are delivering this speaking.
0: Yeah I I really really like that the way that you've looked at it there and you know got over that mental barrier in the first place and uh it's it's a great thing Tanya in episode 9 speaks about it in terms of that the audience there want you to succeed they're not there to see you fall you know they they are your friends there no audience is there to see you negatively and and yeah I think the way you've put it there that they want the information that you've got to provide therefore it's okay to be up there speaking to them you know I think yeah, it's a, a wonderful way of putting it and and yeah, as you say, everything does start small and so it, it builds momentum, doesn't it? It snowballs in, in terms of how yes. it comes forwards, And you've, you've done that with with clever books and clearly done that with your your stage speaking as well. I think that's a really useful example for people listening in, in terms of how these things do grow forwards. You know, it, nothing starts big. It, there, there is always that background that often isn't seen, isn't recorded but that leads to the, the big opportunities. So yeah, no, that's a really excellent example. And, and what have the, the talks led to? You've, you've done TED talks, of course, and as you say, spoken in, in front of audiences of thousands across the world. So what has the speaking itself led to in terms of your, your wider business activities?
1: It has led to the engagement with, with the potential customers it has led, led to the engagement with the potential partners. And I think if you speak on behalf of your business, it leads to recognition and credibility of your business, depending obviously how you position that. But in my case, I was always promoting the opportunity for kids. And then my message, the opportunity for kids to get ready with these digital skills and uh, being technically aware of, what's, uh, of what can be the jobs of the future. That that is my main message and that always remained my main message. But this attracts people who want to be your supporters in your project, which I think is the most valuable part. But I want to add that, you know, like you said, um, everything starts small and not many things are recorded of what were your maybe fail or something didn't work. I think there is one key ingredient to any project, any startup, any company you run, or any like speaking engagement, it is a persistency in what you do. If you keep on doing with the goal to reach the objectives you set up in front of you, then that's the key to success. You just need to keep on doing no matter what, although you can't see the results straight away.
0: Yeah, I think that's great, and I, I can certainly uh, align with that in terms of my own experience and how, how it's gone. You know, it's it is about it's about persistence and it's about keeping going when nobody's listening or nobody's looking. You know, so I I think it's it's absolutely key in, in to, to drive that forward. So yeah, so it's, it's a great lesson for for people out there. And in terms of your awards, you've won several awards as well over the years, and you know how how did that start and what value do you place on putting yourself in for and indeed winning awards well
1: oh, that's an interesting one uh, for the awards um i actually didn't do anything
0: <laughs>
1: to do that <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was just contacted saying like, "Hey, somebody nominated you. Would you like to to get this award, or like, I would like to invite you because you got nominated and you are one of the semi finalists or finalists, which is nice thing." I never they never actually uh, let me know who awarded me, but um, my best my best guess that all this coming from the work I do from the speaking engagements, because that's something that helps you to be recognized. And, you know, some people see the value really in what you deliver and what you do. And then they decide that that might be good. I know about this award. I might be good to um, submit this person, nominate this person. Um, because I'm doing that for people I know. So, and maybe I'm judging on behalf of myself, but I, I would assume that some people do the same. For some awards, um, the awards are mainly connected to the um, to the work I do in the education sector, to the uh, message that I bring, all the projects that I, and initiatives um, that I start, especially the non profit in the attack. They lead to those um, nominations and support from the community, and I think it's a sort of recognition of the work you do, and that actually helps a lot to. Um, You kind of boost yourself emotionally because you know yourself running a company, running a startup. It's something that is um, constant up and downs. And to keep yourself up, you need some positive motivation. So awards is part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My wife won a big award in December of 2020. And uh, yeah, she was absolutely over the moon to to get that recognition from outside sources to say, yeah, what you're doing is good. It's amazing, and I, I think to to have been put forward by people that you may not have even spoken to openly in terms of people that would have seen your speeches and thought, oh, that that might be good for them. How good's that? You know, <laughs> you're getting that work done uh, for you from some of your other activities and some of the other the other benefits that people have seen from from your your speeches and the, the products that you've created. So what a wonderful thing that is that you can be put forward for things by people that. Haven't necessarily, you know, gone out of their way to speak to you, but they've they've gone out of their way to to put you forward for that. So no, that's that's really great, and uh, yeah, very positive to hear.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, and I think that those little things actually keeps the 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 person who started the business up and running, keeps motivated to keep on going, and you know the the feedback from the customers and these positive vibes in the community. That's absolutely amazing. It's it, it's worth much more than um than the profit. Yeah, no,
0: it's it's brilliant. I absolutely love it, and it's great to great to hear how you've how you developed those those things in that way. So, what does the future hold for you? What's next?
1: The future, <laughs> that's <an> interesting question. <laughs> well, the future is unpredictable, but um, I. I have a strong belief that I can change the world of education. Although many people say like, oh, come on, that's such a statement. It's a massive uh, stone that you can't move. But I'm saying I'm not moving it alone. And I think I have enough power to motivate and inspire people around me in different communities to spread the word and start um, moving this stone. Because the future for me is to make sure that my kid, your kids. And the kids who are right now in school, who don't know what kind of jobs will be there, will be acquainted with the technology, will be acquainted with some tools that will help them to support and develop those lifetime learning skills and meta skills to survive in the future professional world.
0: That's incredible. And... I, I absolutely concur with you on the need for that and, you know, how, how these things move forwards. And I think technology is there and it, it can be made such better use in many respects by more people. And, yeah, the alignment of everything in terms of looking at the education side now and what that can lead to further down the line. You know, what an incredible mission that is and how you can take that forwards and, you know, the, the legacy that you could leave by doing so. And uh, I wish you every success with that because I think it sounds absolutely what the world needs right now, which is such a great thing.
1: Thank you, Rob. But you know what? You're also doing similar part because you're inspiring with your book the people who may take the same path as I did and they may, may be creating something also incredible, futuristic and absolutely brilliant. And they might not have a clue where to start from. But when they have the book that, uh, that you that you have uh, written in their hands that gives them a better chance to put their ideas in the real, um, in the real life scenario.
0: Oh, thank you. That, that was certainly the idea. That was the whole concept behind it. So yeah, we, we have that in common, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so before we finish, there's four questions that I asked all guests. So uh, the first one is, what's the one best piece of advice you would give to somebody considering starting their own business?
1: I wish I knew that. But um, before I started mine, and I think the most important, when you start a business, you need to realize first, it's a hard work. I have a friend of mine who tells me, Daria, the way you run the company looks so easy and simple. Well, trust guys, it's not the way it looks outside. That's one thing. <laughs> important. <laughs> yeah all the issues that come up with running the company it's not just setting up a brilliant idea it's a lot of things behind and once you realize it's a hard work and you're ready for that go ahead yeah
0: now that's great and i think everything's new as well i think isn't it when you when you start a business it's things that you haven't done before you know even touching on the example earlier with translating things into into different languages it's like that's there's always a first time for these things. And I think as your own boss, there's there's a lot of first times. <laughs> so as, oh, yeah. as well as as well as the hard work, it's also learning yeah. all these new things and covering new hurdles and finding solutions to problems that you might not necessarily have, have come across before. I think it's yeah. uh, and that's that's what makes it hard in many respects, isn't it? It's it's not it's not necessarily repeated work a lot of the time, you know, it's not It's not necessarily the long hours or physical labor or anything like that in terms of hard work, but it's hard work in terms of absolutely having to to find solutions and always be looking ahead. I think that's that's where I see it.
1: Yeah, so I would say to put it short that the road to success of your project is not full of unicorns. You need to work a lot. (laughs)
0: that's great so you've you've kind of touched on it already but you you may have a different angle so for the second question uh, which is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started
1: the structure and how to set it up in the first place when you start the project make sure you have structure in place and make sure you have not only vision but ideally the uh, layout of how you see the operations, how you see sales, how you see marketing, how you see product development, this is important because it's chaotic and takes a lot of time to build on the go. And I think structure on how your business uh, is supposed to work is something that is uh, leading you to success, regardless if you want to keep the company or you want to sell it at the end, regardless of your goal. But the main and important thing Make sure you build the structure, the measurement, the analysis. You follow the, like, if you want, how you work with the ideas, how you analyze the situations, and how you bring that to the results. So, the better the structure, the easier for you to operate your business.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I I completely empathize with that. And it can be so easy to be taken off course or to have some areas of the business that aren't necessarily um, accounted for correctly. So, so yeah, I think having that structure in place will absolutely avoid distractions effectively. So it's, uh, no, that's a really, really good point. So you, you may answer long uh, the next question <laughs> due to the amount of reading that you do and the professional reviews that you do. But Is there a resource, so a book, a website, or something you'd recommend for people at the very start of their journey?
1: I actually can take and make it super easy uh, to answer. There are a lot of super resources and I'm always reading about the, uh, the new books and everything that comes up. Once a year in December, I make a long post, and I can share with you the links so you can share maybe underneath this podcast as well. Okay, great. About my my the books that I liked um, a lot throughout the year that I read and the best the best picks. And people are waiting for this post normally, <laughs> and then they read these books next year or following year. Or if you follow me on my LinkedIn account, I do the video reviews of the books. Sometimes I write the posts um, about different problems that I see and, um, you know, different information where you can get it from. But I like I, the books I read are pretty much about business books or anything connected to entrepreneurship, startups, negotiations, sales, operations, um, strategy. So anything in these in a scope can be found on my LinkedIn profile. And um, yeah, I think that would be the best way to follow because a lot of them I can recommend. You're absolutely right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so without stopping on a specific one, I suggest people just go and check it out.
0: That's a great answer. And it keeps things um, it keeps things modern as well. It keeps things fresh because clearly this episode, we're recording in, in January 2021 and it will, it goes live early March, of course. But people will be listening to it for years to come. So uh, if they keep an eye on your LinkedIn profile, they'll get updates of exactly what's happening going forward. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's a great answer. <laughs> I like that a lot. OK, the final question is, who would you recommend as a guest on a future episode of the show?
1: So I would recommend uh, my uh, co-fo- uh, the co-founder of Clever Books and my business partner, Ina Armstrong because she is cool in uh, providing the multicultural aspect um, for the businesses and to set up in different countries how it works in terms of marketing. She is, like, really good um, in marketing, and she has a vast majority of experience uh, working in different cultures as well. So we have uh, set up several companies with her (coughs) quite successfully, and the Clever Books is another one, and uh, I would highly recommend listening to podcasts with her
0: brilliant okay that's uh i love an introduction and uh yeah we can make that happen so that's that's brilliant thank you so much very very interesting angle
1: super always welcome
0: and and just finally then if people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that
1: the best way would be to to do that via linkedin definitely i'm quite active there and um i'm quite responsive there and as you might, sh- you will share my articles with the books. Um, they can easily find me. If you if you share my name and family name, I doubt there will be um, any sort of coincidence with anybody else. You know?
0: <laughs> sure. No, that's great. So, well, thank you very much indeed for coming on the show. It's been been great speaking with you and we've covered so many different angles and uh, it be really interesting to see how you've moved forwards and, and, and also what you've got going on in the future. So very, very exciting. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much pleasure being here.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I was blown away by the scale of Daria's mission and think she's got every chance of making it happen. The world's changing so rapidly due to digital technology and the doors it's opening. How we work and what we do as work has already changed dramatically since the millennium and this trend will only continue. I wish her every success in her work, inspiring and empowering the next generation. It's a great thing. If this episode has inspired you to pursue the idea of starting your own business, start with my three-minute quiz today at robcur.co.uk forward slash quiz. On next week's episode, I speak with Jaeger, a brilliant fashion illustrator, on knowing it's possible. So subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.